about to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. ready? This is it. Are you ready? This is it. This is the grand finale. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. All right. Take your Bibles. Go to Colossians chapter 1 tonight. Colossians chapter 1. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. I thank you for changing our perspective, changing our attitudes, changing the way we think and the way we operate in this world today. Father, we thank you that you've made us kings and priests unto you. We thank you for your Holy Ghost on the inside of us. And we give you praise for all you're going to accomplish once again tonight. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right, Colossians chapter 1. We're going to talk about success and purpose tonight. Colossians 1, look at verse 16. Talking about Jesus, it says, By him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him, and they were created what? For him. For him. So this basically tells you that you were created by God. You are God's production, if you would. You were created by him, and notice you were also created for him. Now, when I first got born again, I was still steeped into religion. I thought when I got born again that basically this scripture says that I was created by him, and he was created for me. Because all my prayers had to do with getting something from him, getting him to do something, pay my bills, do this, do that. But notice, he was not created for you. You were created for him. So when my prayer language and my attitude and my mindset changed, that I was put here basically for his purposes and not my purposes, for what he wants instead of what I want. See, 90% of the prayers even in the church are for things that we want. Well, what does God want? I mean, he put you here for a reason. So basically, when I change to the point to understand that I have a reason here, there's a reason that I'm here, I have a purpose, and basically, I have a reason to be here. How many know everybody here tonight has a purpose for being here? How many know God doesn't make mistakes? So it's important to the creator that we were created, and that since he created us to do something, it's important to him that we succeed. Don't ever let anybody tell you that God does not want you to succeed. He needs you to succeed, basically. And everything was created for a purpose. Why did somebody create a CD player? They created it to play CDs. Why did somebody create a car? Tra- created a car so that we could travel and go places. He created fish, and he created them to swim. Birds, he created them to fly. Seeds, he created them to grow. Everything has a purpose that God put here. God is not an unpurposeful God. So whatever is created basically bears the name of the creator or the inventor. So we were created for him, and we were created by him. All right, go to Psalm 35. As you draw close to God, you read his word and stuff, you're going to find out that his purpose is more than you just going to heaven. That's what we were taught when I was first saved and into religion. You're born again, now you're doing your best to get to heaven. But God has a purpose for you here now, or he wanted to put you here now. All right, Psalm 35, are you there? Look at verse 27, it says, Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which has pleasure in the prosperity of his what? So this shows you what God's pleased with. He's not pleased with our poverty. He's not pleased with our weakness. He's pleased with our success. God created you and wants you to succeed. He wants you to be successful here on the earth in everything that you do. It is important that you succeed. Your success is his success, and his success is your success. So basically, he needs you to succeed. Another reason is because you are a co-laborer with him here on the earth realm right now. You're part of his plan. Whether you know it or not, you were born for such a time such as this. Success is important to the person who produces something, who creates something. Now, how many know whatever you get and whatever somebody created when you get it? If you get a car, you get a stereo or whatever, the first thing that's on top of that thing is an owner's manual. I mean, you know, it's very important to find out how that thing works. And to do that, you basically have an owner's manual on top of it. 
So part of his plan for you to succeed then is a owner's manual that he's given you. How many know the owner manual is right there? You're looking at it right now. It's the Bible. It's going to tell you who you are, what you are, what God wants you to do. A product, if it's not working, basically, we take it back to the manufacturer. In other words, I have a Toyota car right now. If it breaks down, I'm not going to take it to Nissan. I'm going to take it to Toyota. Well, we were created by God. And since we were created by God, if you're not functioning right, it's important that you go back to the creator. Don't go to somebody else who's got some kind of opinion or something. We go back to the creator himself, and he will show us where we're lacking or what, where we're missing it. And basically, Toyota cars now, they bear a name. They bear an image. They put an image on all their cars. They put a little signal on there, a little, little metal thing that they put on that shows it's built by Toyota. If it doesn't work, if you get a car and it doesn't run or a washing machine or anything else, it does not fulfill the purpose that it was created for. But how many know it was created for a purpose? but it's not creating or it's not doing the purpose that it was created for. So basically that's a bad reflection on the person that actually made it. So if you get a Toyota car and it doesn't work, how many of you know and you call Toyota, how many know they will come even get the car. They will take it in. They don't even know who you are and they'll take that car in and they'll work on it and they'll get it right because it affects their name because they were the producer of it. So how we succeed and how we don't succeed makes a difference to God because he's the creator of each and every one of us and he produced us. And basically when we're not living in the victory that he made us to do, how many know it goes back on the gun who created us, which is God. So God wants you to succeed. He needs us to succeed. If somebody ever told you he's holding you back from success, he's not. If he wants you poor and wants to take a power or, you know, some people take a poverty vow. I mean, God doesn't want you poor. If you're poor, what can you say? I'm serving God, and I'm completely broke. Well, then basically something's wrong. we got to get in line with God, and we got to go, because we want to magnify his name, and he wants us to succeed in every single thing that we do. So basically, it gives him a bad name. God created you, and he created you for a purpose. Say, God created me for a purpose. Now notice, his name is on you. He created you in his image and in his likeness. So basically what happened, if it's a poor reflection of him, then basically it becomes a poor reflection of him of how you're doing and how you're not doing. Most of the church right now isn't living in victory. They're living outside of victory. You know, Don't you want to be a Christian like me? Well, how are you? I'm poor, depressed, down and out and sick. Well, how I many you know they don't want to do that basically? And God wants you to succeed. Here it says, God takes pleasure in your success. How many know pleasure means please? So that pleases God in the success. So the first thing you've got to understand is God wanted me. First thing I understand coming out of religion, God actually wanted me to succeed. I was always told God was against me. I didn't know there was a word in the Bible that said, if God be for you, who can be against you? I thought God was against me, so nobody can be before me at that time. Because that's what I was taught, that God didn't want me to survive. He didn't want me to do things. But the Bible of God says that God wants you to succeed, and he is pleased when you succeed. All right, go to Jeremiah 29. All right, Jeremiah 29, look at verse 11. God says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And you shall seek me and find me, when you shall search for me with all of your heart. Now this is a little formula here, basically, where God has plans for you, and notice they are good plans. There is a purpose that God has for each and every one of us. Nothing is created that does not have a purpose to be here. Your brain was created for a reason. Your hands were created for a reason. Your toes were created for a reason. The hair on a bee's legs was created for a reason. Everything that he created has a reason. You know that there must be a purpose for a mosquito. I sure as a heck don't know what it is, but it doesn't make any difference whether I know it or not because God creates everything for a purpose. I'm figuring maybe the mosquito got caught in the curse and ended up something we didn't want, praise God. So notice, just because you don't know what it is doesn't mean that you don't have a purpose, that God doesn't have a plan for you. His plan basically is not your plan, it's his plan. And how do I do that? There's a connection made here. You'll call upon him, you'll go to him and pray for him, and he will hear you. And you shall seek him and find him when you search for him with how much of your heart? 
all of your heart. So after you come into a relationship with God, the first thing you need to do is seek him with all your heart. And how are you, how are you going to seek him with all your heart? You're going to seek the word of God, aren't you? So basically you seek the word of God and you go after the word of God. So what is the success in God's eyes? Is it a bunch of money? Is it a large house? Is it fame and fortune? Is it to be on TV? No, God's success is to fulfill the purpose that you were created for. Now, what's my success? My success is to fulfill the purpose that I was created for. That means mine and his are basically the same. That's what he does. Our success then is to fulfill the purpose that you were created to fulfill. Hallelujah. One thing God has basically that, that we lack is he has the big picture. We don't have the big picture. He has the big picture. In other words, he knows the end from the beginning. How many of you know that? He knows what's going on in the world. He knows his plan and his purpose for you. He knows everything to you. So he knows the end from the beginning. So sometimes we're like if we're standing behind somebody who's painting a picture and they make a couple paint stripes and you think, gosh, what are they painting? That's the ugliest thing I've ever seen. But they know where they're going and we don't know where they're going. So we have no idea what the picture is going to be at the end. Well, God's already seen the big picture and he's already seen my big picture and he's already seen your big picture. So that means that God knows what's going on. So it doesn't, doesn't matter how big or small what God has you to do just so you do it. One, one of the people that always amazed me in the Bible was Ananias. Remember when, when Saul, Paul, got knocked down and got blinded? And he went to the, to the city and once Ananias, God called on him to lay hands on him and fill him with the spirit and basically so he could see again. And Ananias, of course, said he's killing people. Not really my, my plan here. Not really what I want to do. But he went and did it anyhow. And he laid his hands on Paul, Saul, who then became Paul. And that's, if you read in the Bible, you don't see him again. That's all he did. But how many know since he did what he was supposed to do, he wrote the entire, almost the entire New Testament. Well, what if he'd have said, no, I want a bigger ministry than that. I just don't want to go lay hands on somebody where nobody can see me. I'm, I'm a worldwide person. I'm going to save the whole world. No, he just did one little thing. And how many know he fulfilled his purpose in that time and it made a big difference in everything that God does. In order to get to success, basically, the quickest way to fail is to pursue success. If you pursue the success, you'll basically take shortcuts. And if you've ever been walking down someplace in a city and you're walking it and there, the place is over here and somebody's house is here and you're here, how many know a shortcut would be walk across their yard rather than go out on the sidewalk and do it? But how many know what that's called? That's called trespassing. And if you try to pursue success yourself, you'll always make a mistake and you'll always end up in trespass, which the word for sin is actually trespass. See, because you'll try to make it quicker. You'll try to get to success before you're ready for the success. You've got to walk in success in order to get into a success. So basically, and you see people out there, people sell drugs. What for? To get rich. Young women have sex with a man. What for? To get a husband. See, they're all trying to take shortcuts. They want to get married. Well, you don't do that. You want to get rich? That's not the way to get rich. People want to gamble to get wealthy. That's not the way to do it. You want... Talk to others down so you move up. All those are shortcuts in your mind to get to a place that you feel in your heart you need to get to, but that's not the way that you get there. The Bible says the kingdom of God is if a man casts a seed into the ground, he goes to sleep, gets up, goes to sleep, gets up, first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the air. So you don't start with the seed and jump into the full corn in the air. Basically, you're taking a step at a time in success, and you're learning how to do things, how to gauge things, how to do. And your success is another thing that will hurt you as you compare it to other people's success. You can't do that because we've all got a separate race. I mean, you know, the Bible says you need to run your race with patience. Now, how many of you ever ran a race before? I mean, you lined up and you're ready to go. How many of you ran it with patience? No, you don't do it, do you? So that means you can't get in a hurry, you can't do things, and you cannot judge yourself by what someone else is doing. You see them out there, and you want to be like them, you want to be on TV, you want to do all these things out there, but that's not who you're supposed to be, and basically you cannot gauge your success by what other people are doing. You gauge your success by what you're doing that God wants you to do, and you're successful no matter or not. It doesn't matter if you have a, a church of 10,000 people or a church of three people. If you're doing what God has called you to do, you are succeeding. So you can't get upset and try to build a large building with your three people come on people have done it try to get to success real good it doesn't work that way praise God you got to be successful where you're at and what you are doing because that's the way the kingdom of God is and success is not sometimes when you compare it to other people so if I go to college and they have a test and we all take a test and I get 70 percent and I'm the top of the class 
And I take that home, and I'm so proud that I got 70 out of 100. But how many know that wasn't success? Success was 100 out of 100. But since I looked at myself compared to everybody else, I thought I did a real good job. So success basically then in our life, we each have our own race. Say, I have my own race. Say, I need to run my own race with patience. Now, you can learn off other people. You can see what they do in their ministry. You can see what they do in their lives, and you can learn from that, and you can go in the direction that way, but you're not them, and they're not you. How many are glad? How many are glad they're just one of you? Yeah, and then when you start moving into success, one thing that it does, basically, you will start to solve problems. And you solve problems basically because you have influence when you're successful. Nobody wants to take advice from somebody who's unsuccessful. Nobody wants to go to somebody who's broke and get financial advice. Nobody wants to go to a pastor who's been divorced 14 times and want to find out about their marriage. It doesn't work that way. So basically success, you can see it in the world. You've got people like LeBron James. How many know he's very successful in the gift that he has? How many know he's on commercials? And a lot of people listen to him. A lot of people find out what he's saying. Why is that? Tiger Woods was another one. He was well-known. He was successful in what he was doing. So when he, they, they don't want a guy who's never won a golf tournament on their commercials. There's no success there. Do you see? You're looking for somebody who's successful, and then they've got a voice, basically. So what you've got right now is you've got giftings and a purpose on the inside of you, and God has put you in this day and this hour for you to be able to solve problems in this day and hour that God wanted solved even before you were born. He already knew them. You know, Jesus walked by, and they had an empty boat one time. He had a problem, didn't they? They fished all night, didn't get nothing. Jesus simply said, just throw it on the other side. How many know they did? How many know they almost sunk their boat? Why is that? Because he had a purpose in that situation. He knew what he was doing. There was a problem, and he went to fix the problem. So a dishwasher basically would be a, does it work, would be a problem of dirty dishes. A fridge would be a problem of food spoiling if it wasn't working. So you were created to solve problems. And let me just say this, not every problem is there for you to solve. Uh, we've got people in the church that want to solve every problem in the world, and I'll tell you that's why they're depressed, down and out, and nervous all the time. No, there, there's certain things that come along that you have the ability to solve, and there's certain things that come along that you don't. You have giftings. Say, I have giftings. You have giftings in certain areas. When I want something done here, like a Christmas party or something like that, I don't do it. I go to Luann. Why? Luann has a gifting. I'm not going to try to do it. I know I don't have that gifting. So I go to Luann and said, hey, what do you think about a Christmas party? Oh, I see the tablecloths, and I see this going on, and I see how we could, and we can get a band, and we can, why is that? Because she's gifted in that area. And what you'll do is you'll waste your time and get frustrated when you're trying to solve problems that you're not gifted to solve. So you don't have to solve every problem in the world. You just got to solve the problems that you're gifted in. Like if my car would break down, I could get out, and I could spend four hours working on my car, and how many know my car would probably be worse than it was before I started working? on it because I got no idea or I could call somebody like Kenny and he could come in in 15 minutes have it fixed and he'd leave it doesn't mean he's any better than I am it means he has a gifting are you following me in that area and here we are wasting our time trying to solve all these problems everybody everybody's calling me all day on the phone you don't need that stuff man you got to sort out who you can help and who wants help and who you can't help so by success then, people will come to you with problems because they see that you're successful. I mean, if you're financially doing well, people will come to you for advice. If your marriage is doing well, people will come to you for advice. And that's because you have giftings on the inside and you have the ability to do what God has called you to do. All right, look at Jeremiah chapter 1. I mean, as you get older, you learn this stuff because if you have a tech problem or a phone problem, you just go to Cody or somebody knows what they're doing. I ain't going to mess with that thing. I'd probably erase every picture I had and everything else before I was done. All right, Jeremiah chapter 1. Look at verse 5. God says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Now, this is exciting here. I'm telling you what. God knew me before he even formed me in the womb. In other words, he, he saw what the problem was to do. He's got the big picture. He saw that somebody was going to have to preach the kingdom of God in this year. He knew something was coming. And before I was ever in the mother's womb, he already knew me. And he already knew what he needed from me to be done. So here it says, I formed you in the womb. I sanctified you. In other words, I separated you to this. And notice, I ordained thee a prophet. Now, when was he ordained a prophet? Before he was even in the womb. People say, when did you become a pastor? Long time ago, brother. Long time before I was even born. I was already, I, I didn't become a pastor. I was born a 
See, people are born a prophet. People are born an evangelist. People are born into things because God knew what they needed and it's already on the inside of each and every one of us. So he gives us what we need. What do we need it for? To fulfill the purpose that he gave us to do. That's why you have one gifting that someone else doesn't and they have a gifting that you don't because they don't need that gifting to fulfill their purpose. You need that gifting to fulfill your purpose. So you have different giftings on the inside of you that are already there. Hallelujah. So, uh, I mean, if I was, if you create a wash machine, a GE wash machine, basically, and it fell apart, you'd go back to GE, number one. But you would do, first of all, before you released it, was you would test that thing before you released it. If you have a Toyota car or any other kind of car, how many know you're not the first one to drive it? Because somebody already drove that car and tested that car before they stuck their little sticker on that thing because they didn't want to stick it on there until they found out that it worked. So everybody has an image. Toyota has an image. Nissan has an image. GE has an image they put on their product at the end because it's done, it's tested, it's ready to go, and they did it. So notice, before God created you, he already knew who you were going to be and what you were going to do and what he wanted you to do. So basically, what did he do? He were created in his and in his. That means he put his image on me the day that I was born because I was finished. Glory to God, that's good. Jesus, I needed to hear that again. Yeah. Yeah, you put the image. Uh, apple phone. You're not going to get the, the phone with a little bite out of the apple until that phone's ready to go. They're just not going to say, well, let's throw it out there, give it a shot, see what happens, because if it doesn't work, it comes back on them. So notice everything basically was already in that phone when you bought that phone. How many know you didn't have to download texting? You didn't have to download calling? Everything that you had was already in that phone before the image was put on that phone. Once it was put on, they said, this is tested, this is great, this belongs here, this is it, and it all belongs to you. Now, I mean, there's a lot of things in that phone that I probably haven't done anything with because I don't know they're in there, which doesn't mean they're not in there. It just means I don't know enough that they're in there. Are you following me? So as people, we're complete. We're already complete before he put us in the room. Everything that he needs from us, every gifting that he needs is already on the inside of us. It's our job to use the giftings that are, most of the time we're praying for the gifting, not knowing the gifting is already in us. And since it's in us, then by our connection to God, we start to bring those giftings out, basically. So if I got a wash machine and I buy it, it's got their, their GE on it, and I want it to work, how many know I first got to plug it in? So as a person born in this world, you weren't born as a Christian. You were born as a, one with a satanic nature. You were a sinner. You were separated from God. So nothing really happens and works for you until you plug in. When you get born again and plug into him, what happens then, you start to see God's way. You start to go towards God. You start to fulfill what God wants you to do rather than what you want to do. Because up until this time, honey, before you got born again, you did everything you wanted to do. And if somebody didn't like it, you didn't care. You still did it anyway. And you were always right. How many of you were always right? Yeah, we were, really, we were smarter, actually, before we got saved. We knew everything then, praise God. Yeah, but, but notice, everything that you'll ever need was already put on the inside of you before you even got in the womb, basically. God knows what he's doing. He was, he was creating you for something that needed done. He put the giftings in you to do it, basically, and you were born. Go to Isaiah 44. Right, Isaiah 44, look at verse. Look at verse 24. Thus says the Lord, thy Redeemer, and he that formed thee from the womb, I am the Lord that makes all things, that stretches forth the heavens alone, that spreads abroad the earth by myself. So here, once again, the Lord says, I'm your Redeemer, I'm your Lord, I am the one who formed you where? In your mother's womb, didn't it? He's the one that put you in the womb. So God formed you in the womb, he saw you in the womb, he had everything in you that you needed before you got in the womb, and basically, and, and this is interesting because as I studied this, I found out that, that when a guy and a girl get together and they do their thing, basically there are over 500,000 sperm cells that come out of the guy and go into the woman. 
Can you imagine that? Over 500,000 of them. Now, many of them die on the way there. Many of them don't get there. Many of them just don't work. But guess what? We made it. We're victors already, praise God. We made it. Here we are. Glory to God. And a lot of people say, and, you know, it didn't matter where your parents were. If they were in the car or in the barn or in the bedroom or wherever they were, God was there with them. They thought they were alone, but they weren't. So God's there, and 500,000 sperm cells were released, and God's waiting there, picking out the one. Oh, I got goosebumps. Picking out the one that he wanted and needed for a purpose beyond there. So he looked at there and said, hmm, that one, Tom, that one right there. And off I went, and there I was. And what happened? I got born into the earth realm, praise God. Hallelujah. How many know you were a victor before you even conceived? So he chose us to succeed, to do a purpose. He basically put the ability on the inside of us. He put the gifting that you need all so you could do what he put you here to do. God could see future needs that we have no idea were there. He had a plan for you. He had expected end for you. And this is, here's one thing people get hung up on, and, and that's, uh, well, my parents did that. I'm this way because of what my parents did. I'm this way because my parents didn't love me. I'm this way because my parents didn't treat me right. I'm this way because I only had one parent. Notice, everything you need is on the inside of you. And if anything, you ought to rejoice that your parents brought you here. I mean, if you can just meditate on that, that's good, because what if they didn't bring you here? Then you wouldn't have to worry about a bad childhood because you'd have never had one to begin with. So you don't hold grudges against your parents. They're the ones that got you here, praise God, to do what you're doing right now. And you ought to be thanking your parents instead, praise God. Hallelujah. All right, go to Isaiah chapter 46. Look at verse 9. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is nobody like me. I declare the end from the beginning, and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my what? Pleasure. So here's God. God's telling you there's none like him. How many of you know that? Nobody can operate the way God does. How many know Buddha doesn't operate that way? Come on, Muhammad doesn't do that. Evolution didn't pull you out of your mother's womb and put you here. No, there's none else. There's none like him. Now, what makes God different? Here it tells you. He declares the end from the beginning. Say, he declares the end from the beginning. And notice why he'll do it. He'll do it for his pleasure. So God knows what we don't know. He knows the end from the beginning. That means he knew the end of my life before the beginning of my life. He already knew what I was called to do, already knew what my purpose was, already knew what I was going to be a pastor, already knew all this stuff. But how I many it was my responsibility to hook up to him in order to get in that place of purpose that he had for me. So God was sitting there one day, here he was, mom and dad, I don't know where they were. And all at once they did something, and all at once they're gone, and God looked down and said, I need a preacher, preach the kingdom. They're right, right there. Out of the 500,000, he pointed to me, I hit, and there I wasn't in the womb. I'm being born, and I didn't born to become a pastor. I was born as a there was already a pastor on the inside of me. How many of you know, though, for 30 years, I didn't do very good? I spent all my time doing what I want to do, drinking, gambling, cussing, doing all the things I shouldn't do. Why was that? Because I wasn't plugged in. How many know, it doesn't matter how good your washing machine is and what kind of detergent you use. If you don't plug it in, it doesn't work. So there's a lot of people not working, and there's a lot of people that plugged in but keep pulling the plug back out. The greatest tragedy in life is not death, but living your life without a purpose. I say the richest place in the whole world is a cemetery. Think of the giftings in that cemetery. Think of the books in that cemetery. Think of the things in that cemetery that never came out of a person. They died, took it to the grave with them, and all everything's in the cemetery now and was never done. So I, I mean, you know, when I, when I came to the Lord, I had to decide to change. I had to make some adjustments. I had to stop drinking myself to death. I had to stop acting like I did. There was a change that took place on the inside of me. And the more I spent time with him, the more I started discovering that he would give you gifts. And a lot of times when you read the word, there's scriptures that jump at you. It's like they're in bold print or something. Even if you can't barely read it, it jumps out there. You can take your glasses off and see it, praise God. Because what's God doing? He's speaking you to your word, through the word. So as I was reading along, I didn't know what I was doing. All one says, go into all the world and preach the gospel of the kingdom of God. And all went, boom, you know, it came out. What did he do? He triggered what was already in me, and it came alive in me through the word of God, and it led me into success. Now, is my success in a large ministry, in a large house, 
in being on a TV show, in having a million dollars. No, it's simply running the race that he declared from the beginning till now. Hallelujah. Each and one of you, every one of you was declared to do something, to do a purpose. And your purpose doesn't have to be something wild, crazy, great, change the world. You just got to change the part of your world that he put you here to do. Many people want to do so dang much that they never figure out what they want to do because they're like a tree that grows and they branch out in so many different branches trying to solve everybody's problems and do everything that they never find out what they're really called to do because they're too busy in the branch area. So basically, you don't have to do that. You've got to figure it out. God will show you what to go towards, what not to go towards, what to do, what not to do. Praise God. Hallelujah. So the key to finding your purpose, another key is the word of God or laws. Say laws. Now notice, nobody likes laws, but laws were given actually for our benefit, especially God's laws. His laws were given to not to restrict us. His laws were given it so if we follow them, we succeed, discover our purpose, and he will protect you all the time that you're doing it. So I had to stop drinking. Why? Because I'd be dead before I did anything. I mean, I had to forgive people that I hadn't forgiven before because forgiveness will hold you back. I had to love people who were unlovable. I had to study the law in order to know the law because how many know this book is different from what we're used to? These laws are different. And when you, when you get in the Holy Ghost and you, you start following the laws and you start learning them and he shows them to you a little bit at a time, 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 you come to a point whenever you disobey one of his laws, you will know that you disobeyed one of his laws. In other words, you don't have to pray in tongues for four years or do any of that stuff. You will know that you know that you know that you did something wrong. Come on, you're driving down the road, going down US 1. The things aren't going too good. You stopped at the last three red lights. That's got to be about your limit right now. And the fourth red light comes on, and it's turning yellow, and you see it. Now it's going to be red. And instead of slowing down, you step on the right pedal, and it goes real fast. And you go through, and the thing turns red right before you get to it. How many know you look in the rearview mirror? Come on, do you? You look in the... Look at, why do you look in the rearview mirror? Because you know, come on, you know that you did something wrong. Uh, now, if you go through a green light, how many of you have looked over your shoulder to see if anybody was following you? Nope, not at all, did you? You just drove right on through, no problem, no problem. But boy, you go through that red light, you're going, ooh, look in the mirrors. Ooh. Why is that? Because you knew that you did something you weren't supposed to do. I mean, you didn't have to go read the Bible 45 minutes to figure out that you messed up you know for sure, basically, that something happened in your life. All right, go to Psalm 19. It's important to learn the laws and know the laws. Very important if you're going to find your purpose because you cannot be a criminal in the spirit and still fulfill your purpose. It doesn't work that way. And, I mean, you, you could drive down the road and go 100 mile an hour and get stopped and tell the policeman that you didn't know you were, you were only supposed to go 70, and how many know it's not going to make much difference? Anyway, he's probably not. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, I didn't. if you didn't know that, that's fine. Go ahead. No, it doesn't work that way. All right, Psalm 19. Look at verse 7. It says, The law or the word of the Lord is perfect. It will convert the soul the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Now this tells you when you start following the law, when you start following the word of God, number one, how many know it will renew your mind to the way God thinks in the kingdom of God? Laws. The testimony of the Lord is sure. It makes wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right. They make your heart rejoice. How many know when you're living in obedience, your heart will rejoice? When you're not living in obedience, there's not a whole lot of joy there. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. So here you can see the laws of God or the word of God will change the way you think as you spend time in it, and you'll start to understand God's ways of doing things. But in order to do that, you have to be in the word for that to change. A lot of people get born again, never get back in the word, and they live just like they did before they got saved, which isn't good because you're breaking all the laws, and, and you will never find your purpose, and you'll never fulfill your purpose. Uh, I mean, if you buy an electronic thing, let's say you buy an electronic radio, and basically you buy it, you open the box, what's on the top? Constructions. The instruction book. Right there it is. Right there it is on top. And you pick it up and it says, please read this before you operate your radio. How many of you have? I got by the first page and that's about it. Praise God. I got to the part. And you put it down there. That's why your microwave still got the wrong time on it.
That's why you only know two functions on your VCR, forward, reverse, stop, and go, and that's it. You don't know anything else it will do because we never read the book. And it's the same way basically in the Word of God and people who are born again. If you don't read the book, then you won't know how to operate in the kingdom of God at peak performance, say peak performance. So you get a radio, and, and how many of you know that the radio says, do not use near the bathtub because if it falls in the bathtub, you're going to have a problem. It will not work, and probably you won't work either, praise God. How many know the radio was created to work? It had GE on the thing, maybe. It had Sony on the thing. It was created to work, and it was able to work, basically. The radio was there. Now, if you don't do it right, you cannot blame the radio because you didn't follow the directions. See, I just don't want anything ever works out. I just don't understand. I don't think God loves me. I don't think he likes me. He's always against me. He's always doing something, something. He's always repaying me for my sin. He's always, well, you don't know the laws, number one. You don't even know God, number two, and you're going to go through life better. You're going to go through life, and you're never going to find the purpose that you were put here. As a matter of fact, you're probably yelling, come, Lord Jesus, come, because you want to get out of here, basically, at that time. So basically, it gives you things to do. Now, fish, they were created to swim. In order for them to succeed, how many know they must swim? Birds were created to fly. How many know in order for them to succeed, they have to do what? Seeds were created to grow in order to succeed. So if a seed doesn't grow, it's not successful. You were created to stay hooked up to God and obey his laws. That's the law. So we stay close to God. We read the word. You will hinder your purpose by not following the laws of God. What's not following the laws of God called? Sin. I was always taught that when you sin, you put another nail in Jesus. You hurt Jesus. Your sinning does not hurt God. Your sin hurts you. And then that hurts God because you can't do the plan that he put you here to do. So it's not that every time you do it, you're stabbing him or something. Sin hurts you. Unforgiveness hurts you. Uh, bitterness hurts you. All these things, hurt. you think you're hurting someone else, but you're not. You're hurting yourself, and it's keeping you from the plan that God has for your life. So, and if sin was normal it would do something good for you. But the wages of sin is, so it's not doing very good for us either. It's not doing anything there, praise God. So basically we've got to change. We've got to make adjustments. We've got to do things. It's funny because you can do as much sin as you want to in your life. And basically like when I used to drink all the time, I'd wake up the next morning and I'd have a terrible hangover. So I, I should have known at that time that what I was doing probably wasn't a good idea. Because every morning I woke up, I felt like I got hit by a truck because the night before that I drank. So how many know that there was a, or something that happened because I was not doing it right? How many of you ever stayed up all night, read the Bible, and woke up with a hangover? <laughs> didn't happen, did it? No, you didn't wake up with a hangover. So you've got all these things that, that basically work under laws, basically work the same thing. Fish, basically, as you see them, are, how do you know they're smart enough to stay in the water? Come on, birds are smart enough to stay in flight. Seeds will grow if you plant them, but Christians seem to think that they can do whatever they want, sleep around, cuss, drink, smoke, do whatever they want, drugs, and basically succeed. How many know that's not going to work? Because we're breaking the laws. So they're all against spiritual laws, which, which keep you from living in the success that God had for you. So you were formed to succeed, to work at peak performance, but you keep falling in the bathtub like a radio, and you short out on your purpose. And notice, God's not to blame. We're to blame. We're to blame for disconnecting. All right, go to Joshua chapter 1. There's a lot of stuff here tonight, but I've only got this night. You know, I'm down to my last night, so it's the way it's got to be. <laughs> All right, Joshua chapter 1, look at verse 6. Good advice here says, Be strong and of good courage, for unto this people shall thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all in the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right or to the left, that thou mayest prosper wheresoever you go. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night, that you mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and thou shalt have what? 
good success. Now, this is really something here. Look what it says. In other words, number one, your success is not dependent on God. It's dependent on him. Look at the last verse there. Then you shall make your way prosperous, and you shall have good what? Success. So success depends on us, doesn't it? Because God has given us everything we need to succeed. He's given us everything on the inside of it we ever need. So laws will make us succeed. And laws are predictable in our life for success. You can predict success and you can predict failure. I mean, if you're going to be a drug addict your whole life, you're, you're probably going to die. I mean, you know, that's where you're going to end up. If you're going to sit in the couch and eat Twinkies all night long and that's all you're going to do, how many know you're going to end up fat before it's over with? If you smoke cigarettes, 18 packs a day, how many know there's a good chance you may end up with cancer before the thing's out? If you don't receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I can predict your future. You're going to hell. See, and it's not because God wants to throw you in hell. It's because we're choosing the wrong thing. You can sit around watching TV all the time and never read a book and live your whole life ignorant. But once again, it's not God's fault. It's what we choose to do. We're the ones that make our way prosperous. We're the ones that have good success. Now, does God want you to succeed? Do you want to succeed? Yeah. So here, here's the thing to do. What do we do? We simply follow the laws. We learn the laws. We follow the laws. We go with the laws. And we'll start to have giftings come out of the inside of us in certain areas of our life so that we can solve problems and help other people. It's always funny that people, people come up to me and say, all I got is problems, problems, problems. I said, no kidding. That's why you're here. If there weren't any problems, there's no sense born in you in the first place. But yeah, people are always running to me with problems. Yep, that's right. Well, I got more problems than anybody else. Well, then you're a good solver. You better get to work on these things. See, we think we're not supposed to have any problems. And it's not necessarily that we do, but other people, how many know they have problems? And how many know they will come to you if you have answers or you have a lifestyle that basically shows that you know what you're doing? So kingdom laws are basically the keys to the kingdom. Say the keys to the kingdom. So you have to obey the laws, don't you? If your car, if you want to go someplace, you've got to go out and you've got to put the key in the ignition and you've got to turn the car on and then you can drive down the street. If you don't decide that you don't like that law and you're not going to use your key, you can stand out in front of that car and yell at it. You can scream at it. You can cuss at it. You can kick it. You can do whatever you want. But how many know that car is not going to go anywhere until you obey the law that tells you to put the key in the ignition, start the car, and drive? So sometimes we're hollering and screaming and all this stuff, and the problem is not with God. It's just that we have not learned the law that opens the door See, and one of, one of the ones that we do is tithing. Tithing opens the door to the blessings of heaven. It's a key. Well, I don't want to tithe. I don't care. Don't. You ain't going to hurt me or hurt anybody else. The only person you're hurting is you because he gave you a key to open the blessings of God, and you've never opened that door, and then you get mad at him when he gave you the key all along, and you just didn't put it in, and you just didn't open the windows of heaven and let the blessings of God pour out upon you. And in the church today, one of the things that I found out, even in my own life, was that prayer does not take the place of laws. A lot of people pray, 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 pray. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if you're not obeying the laws, the laws, the laws, the laws, you're praying and not going to do any good anyway because you're not obeying the laws of God. Let me give you an example. You can take a seed tonight and you can bring it here, a real nice seed, a very nice seed, and you can lay it right there on that table and you can come back on Sunday and how many know that seed will still be on that table? And you can come back next Wednesday and how many know that seed will still be on that table? And you can come back Sunday after that and that seed will still be on that table and you can lay hands on that seed the next week. You can get two people to agree with you that that seed's going to grow, praise God. You can speak in tongues over it. You can cast a devil out of that seed because it hasn't grown in two weeks and how many know that seed is not going to grow because you've not obeyed the laws for growth. And people pray and pray and pray and pray. No, obey the laws and pray. The laws are very important. So, And the law is that seeds, they need something, don't they? They need ground. They need water. They need sun in order to grow. You cannot substitute prayer for laws. So people that's never read the Bible and praying, most of the time they're not even praying in line with the laws to begin with. They're just praying for something that they want and something that they need. I mean, a car has laws. You need oil. You need gas. When the tank says E, you can declare over it. You can confess over the car. You can have a worship service over the car. You can pray over the car. But the car is going to run out of gas, and it's going to stop because you did not obey the laws of the car. So what do we do? We pray for a miracle. Oh, Lord, take that E to F. In Jesus' name, may it go. Come on, fill it up. Praise God. No, just put gas in the thing. If you put gas in the thing, it will work. If you don't put gas in the thing, it won't work. Why? 
it's a law. It's a spiritual law. How many of you ever pulled in the gas station, filled up your tank, got in the car, and tried to believe God that it was run? No, you don't even think about it, do you? I get gas in the car, that's the law. Start the car, drive down. You don't think, oh my God, I hope it works now. Oh, it'll work because that's the law that's there and that's and that what takes place. So you just follow the laws and everything in your life starts to line up with the things. So you don't have to pray that the car runs. You just got to fill it up with gas and take care of the oil when it's there. And, and, and everybody says, well, God's punishing me. God's doing this. No, the law punishes you. If you decide to climb up on a seven-story building, and you decide to jump off that building because you don't believe that anything's going to happen, and you fall all the way down, screaming at the top of your lungs, and you splat. How many know God didn't kill you? The law of gravity killed you. You didn't fall. It pulled you down because that's the law. That's why we're here on the earth. So the law basically was if you jump off the building, it's going to pull you down, and it's going to kill you. Now, what if I lived in Beverly Hills and jumped off the building? I'm a rich person. Will I splat? What if I lived in the ghetto and I jumped? Would I splat? So everybody wants to say, well, I came from the wrong side of the tracks. When you're born again, there are no wrong side of the tracks. They're either you're following the laws and doing it God's way, and you can become as prosperous as anybody else who got access to the same thing in the kingdom of God. It's entirely up to you what you want to do. But success is for everybody. God set it up that day that we would all succeed. So jumping off a building really is not going to help you. And it doesn't care what you believe when you jump. I don't believe I'm going to die. I don't believe I'm going to die. I don't splat. That's it. It doesn't work because we already know that it's there. So law requires a relationship. It demands a relationship. A seed must have soil, must have water, must have sun, or it's not going to work. It'll violate the law. Your car's got to have gas in it. If it doesn't have gas in it and doesn't run, it's not because God's mad at you. It's not because God don't like you. It's because you violated the law that comes with having a car. A man must have a relationship with God to follow his plan and purpose. And we follow it one day at a time. Say one day at a time. You don't go from point A to point Z. You grow into things. In my life, basically, God had told me to, to teach and to preach. I didn't jump out and start a church someplace. I started at a place called Just for Fun. It was a very fun place. It's where kids went. It was a kid's playground. They had little tables off to the side in the back where you could do stuff. So I started there, and we started with, what, four or five or six people tops. And I went in there, and I started teaching the Word of God. And they'd ask me questions. And I knew I had to have some kind of answer to answer the questions because when you're teaching and they ask you questions, you don't know nothing. Chances are they're not going to come back to somebody who don't know nothing is trying to teach them something. So that's where I started. They'd ask me questions. I do think. After that, I got promoted to a prayer meeting. And at that thing, there was 30 people. It grew to about 100 people. There was all kind of denominations coming. But it was another step of how to handle things, how to do things, how to do it. Then basically at the church I was at down in Stewart, they had me start to teach on Wednesday nights. What was it doing? It was another step. Now I was in front of the congregation, people that were there, and more people. And these people are more knowledgeable than the ones I was preaching to before who came out of the Catholic Church because they really didn't know nothing. And then after that, I started Sunday night meetings here in Port St. Lucie. We just did Sunday night meetings for a while. Then all, once I started the church when God told me to. But notice, I didn't go from the start to the finish, step by step by step. That's why some of you who've been in jobs for years that you probably didn't like were actually training grounds for your next step. We didn't like them. I mean, I worked at the post office 28 years driving around in a vehicle where it's about 200 degrees in that tin can with no air conditioning in the thing, roll down the windows, what for? I mean, really, and wasn't helping at all. But at that time, then, I was on a route where I got to know the people. I got to pray for the people. I got to help the people. I knew their kids. I knew who they were. I got to know them after 15 years. I knew exactly what it did. I had my own little church even before I started a church, only it was wearing a postman's uniform and driving their truck. Praise God. So there's things that we, we go through in our life that you understand that, oh, I see now. I see now. I see now why that person who was a complete idiot was working with me for a while because that was a problem that God put me there to solve. But we in the Christian church basically run away from problems. And one of the problems we got is most Christian people don't even go to regular school anymore. They go to private school. They go to something else. Well, how are we going to infiltrate? See, we shouldn't be afraid of them. They should be afraid of us. See? If anybody's going to make the change, it ain't going to do it. If we've got nobody that knows God in the schools, nobody's going to make a change there. So we've got to get a different opinion of the thing that we're putting some places that are hard places, but they're there basically to teach us. And how many know if you don't learn the lesson, you don't go any further? 
In other words, if you can't be patient enough in this situation, and I, I've been doing this 15 years and I'm just as mad as I was, well, then you're going to be there another 15 years just as mad as you were because you've got to get by that into the next step. I mean, it's a lot easier to deal with four people and just for fun than 60 people in a church. Are you following me? Yeah, all this stuff is a growing pattern, but we don't see it that way. But God knows what he's doing. How many know God knows what he's doing? He's the one that put you here. He's the one that created you. He's the one that brought you, pulled you out of the womb, picked you out, put you here, gave you all the giftings on the inside of you, and you get into different places, and you don't even know you're getting in them when you're getting in them. You just end up in those places somehow. You think, how in the heck did I get here? How in the heck did I get out of there? How did I do it? And when you do that, the gifting's on the inside of you. People will come to, with problems, and they'll ask you a question that you didn't even know you knew the answer to until you started answering it. Ever happen? Somebody come up and say, hey, this problem, and you think, I don't know anything about that. Almost, oh, yeah. And when you were done, you said, my God, that was good. I should have recorded that. I didn't even know I knew that stuff. Because the gifting's in you. It's already on the inside of you, and they pulled on that gifting, and the anointing on you touched that gifting, and once you were operating in a gifting you never even knew you had or never even knew anything about, and it comes out of the inside of you because it draws it out of the inside of you. So these giftings on the inside of us will be drawn out with needy people. There was an evangelist one time, and some guy was, he was crawling on the floor, and he crawled through the living room, and he crawled through the bathroom, and, and basically he looked up and says, God, 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 God. God, use me. God, use me. God, use me. And he got quiet for a little bit, and God says, Son, the toilet doesn't need a healing. Okay? He wanted to be used, but he wasn't out there any place that needed to be used, and the toilet didn't need a healing, praise God. So in other words, get up off your duff and get out there to somebody who's needy and do something about it, praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So you do not really find your purpose. You grow into your purpose. As you grow into things of God, you grow into the purpose more and more and more and more. And your future is not in front of you. Your future is in you. See, everybody say, in the future, I'm going to do this. Well, not if you don't allow what's in you to come out of you because your entire plan, the entire purpose has already been placed on the inside of you with the giftings that are out ahead of you. So your future is here, but it comes from the inside. Notice, if you want to be a tree, how many of you know you don't just pop up and be a tree? You come from the inside of a seed so the the future of that seed was already in the seed before it became a tree same way with us we want to go from here to there no it's already on the inside of you see it's already in here my future's in here your future's in here everybody's future is already on the inside of us but as we walk at it a step at a time we get to that future and then there's like you get to one step of the future and how many know you don't stay there very long and you get to another step now notice you determine how much further you go if you get to one place and you're happy there, content there, uh, it's cozy, it's nice, everybody loves me here, everything's going good, this, this church of three people really like me, you know, but it doesn't work that way. See, there's going to be another step, and how many know when you take that step, you're going to run into more problems, because now you're ready, you've dealt with these three people's problems, you need some new ones, or the same ones. And that's why when somebody comes here or something and somebody needs deliverance or something, I'll send them to Marie. Why, Marie, that's what she does. She delivers people. She casts out her Joe. That's what they do, praise God. So I'll send them to them. She's not around. I'll do it myself. But there's people who, see, are specialized in their certain areas. They're specialists, praise God. They have giftings on the inside of them, and they're in there. And when you're doing your gifting, you're enjoying life. It's good. It, it's great. It's wonderful because you're doing exactly what you know you should be doing, and you're not doing it. And the Bible says someplace that he will heal you, and he'll heal you for his sake. Do you ever read that? And in Psalm 23, it says basically, well, go to it. Go to Psalm 23. All right, Psalm 23, you probably know it by heart anyway, but look at verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his what? Namesake. Now, I thought he was doing all that stuff for me. Didn't you? No, he's doing it for himself. What a selfish God we got, praise God. 
Look, he's doing it for himself. Why is he doing it for himself? He's doing it for himself because by keeping you healed, by keeping you going in the right direction, it benefits him because you're part of his plan. And by you fulfilling the plan, help him. So he's doing it for your sake. There's a, in the Old Testament where he says he healed them for his sake. Why? God doesn't want you sick. If you're sick, you can't fulfill your plan. You can't fulfill your plan and you don't help God because God put you here to fulfill your plan. So God wants to, I wonder if God wants to heal me. Dear Lord, do you think Toyota wants to fix their car when it don't run? Yeah. Yeah, he wants you to succeed in every single, it's not a question of whether God wants to or not. God wants to. It's that we're separated from the laws and separated from how God works and got that mindset of us where we're begging God and pleading with God when you don't have to because he wants it more than we do. I found out he wanted me to be able to preach with the power of God more than I wanted me to preach with the power of God. He wanted to give me revelation in the kingdom more than I wanted to, to get revelation in the kingdom. Did I want to get it? Yeah. but he And I didn't have to struggle to get it. See, oh Lord, come on. Give me revelation. Give it to me. Give it to me. Give it to me. And God's saying the whole time, I'm trying to. Just be quiet long enough and get it. I can do it to you. Because he wants to succeed. He's got to succeed. It's got to, it's got to succeed in your life. So you follow the laws of the God. You seek the kingdom of God. You do things. But notice, everything that God does in his plan in your life is already on the inside of you. And he is using you to fulfill a plan that he had before you were even in your mother's womb. It was already there. And thank God he gave us the equipment. I mean, even the post office gave me a truck and a uniform. I mean, God ought to be able to give me more than that. He does. He's given us everything that we want on the inside. So you don't have to pray for these things. You just got to find these things and grow in these things and discover the things. All right, one more scripture. Let's go to Acts chapter 20. Word of God is so rich, isn't it? My gosh. Okay, Acts chapter 20, let's start in verse 22. Paul's speaking, he says, And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. How many think God knew? Except that the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city, saying, The bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count on my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy, and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of Christ. Now, he knew what his purpose was, didn't he? He received it. And now, behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Now, look at verse 24. But none of these things move me or affect me, neither count I my life dear to myself. Now, that always troubled me because, to be honest with you, I count my life dear to myself. <laughs> I don't know if you do or not, but notice, he already had the revelation that his life was more important to God than it was to himself. So he says, I, I don't hold it life to myself. I'm not dear to life to myself. My life is dear to him because he's the one who put me here to do a purpose, to do something, so it's more dear to him than it even is to me. Sometimes we think our life, God don't even care about our life. Oh, yes, he does. He cares about your life more than you care about your life. He cares about your success more than you care about your success. He cares about what you get done here on this planet more than you ever will, praise God. So we're growing. We're seeking God. We're following him. It's coming out of the inside through the word. Different giftings are starting to operate in your life. Don't get in a hurry. Say, don't get in a hurry. Look to the person, so look at somebody, say, don't get in a hurry. Because if you get in a hurry, you'll get out ahead of where you're able to go with the giftings you've got, and you'll end up in trouble. And don't copy other people's giftings. You've got some, they've got some, we've got some. But the Holy Ghost can manifest anything out of the inside of you. How I many know he is the gift? And he has all the gifts on the inside of you. So basically at any time, there can be a manifestation of that gift coming on the inside of you. But it's not coming from heaven down. It's coming from the kingdom of God in you out to help and to touch other people. All right, let's pray. Hallelujah. Father, I'm so glad you picked me out of the 500,000. Praise God. Thank you. You pointed to me and said, oh, that one. Yeah, that's right. Praise God. Hallelujah. I thank you for everything that's happened in my life so far, everything that I thought was a setback, everything that I thought you weren't even there, everything I thought that you were messing with me, everything I thought where the devil was winning was not true at all. You were just building me up, teaching me, showing me, hallelujah, instructing me. 
how to handle people and how to handle problems. I thank you for the anointing on the inside of each and every person here tonight, that it would be shaken up, that it would be activated tonight, that the giftings of God would start to flow out of the inside of each and every one of them. I thank you as we walk deeper and deeper into your purpose. I thank you that it's your pleasure and it's our pleasure at the same time. I thank you for what you're doing in our minds and in our hearts and in this body, and we give you the praise for everything going on in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen, amen, amen. the key.